Hey guys, I want to give a big shout out to everybody who checked out our episode talking about Christmas movies with the guys from Cicada, Dave and Jeff. Uh, we really appreciate everybody who checked out Cicada. Guys, thank you so much for checking out our friend's movie. We really appreciate people who have responded. Some of you liked it. Some of you did not, but hey, you know what? That's okay. The people who got it, got it, and that is cool. We really appreciate that just anybody went out and checked out that movie. Uh, I'm still pumped on it that it's just out there that, that you know, your friends made a movie and now it is streaming. That is a huge accomplishment. So big shout out to them. Check out that episode. If you haven't listened to it yet, we talk about some Christmas movies. We're going to talk about more Christmas movies today. Matt and I have some hot takes. Maybe not some hot takes. Maybe it's just, just a conversation. I don't know how hot these takes are. <laughs> Maybe it's some shit that no one's interested in, but... <laughs> <laughs> No, I this is this will be good because I feel like we always talk about like Christmas horror specifically. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like horror movies and Christmas shit and stuff, but this will be this will be a little bit different. This will be a different take. It'll be more traditional movies. And I'm actually kind of excited to like to tell you mine, to hear yours and kind of see where we each fall on each other's stuff, you know? And some of these we talked about in the last episode, but some we didn't. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. One last thing before we get started, I want to thank everybody who sent me their list from Spotify. It was the end of the year rap list came out and we were on some people's top podcasts. And I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. We are really proud of that. We are really thankful to our listeners, people who listen to us enough to put us in the top five of their favorite podcasts that they've listened to the most this year. And like, we were up next to some heavy hitters. I mean, we were up next to like last podcast on the left, which is yeah. my favorite podcast. That's big. And we really appreciate hearing that from you guys. Keep sending them guys. If we ended up on your top Spotify end of the year rap list, please send me that picture. I will gladly repost it. Big shout out to our listeners and big thank you to making this podcast so successful. And you know, sticking with us through the pandemic and through this whole year. It's been amazing and we just really appreciate you guys. So let's get on with the show. More Christmas movies on the Launchpad Podcast. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. And Matt, today we are talking about the most messed up sex scenes that resulted in killer Santa Clauses. Man, we got quite a list. <laughs> Dude, I legit think that would be a funny episode. I mean, we've done Christmas horror before. Yeah. If you guys haven't listened to our Chris, uh, Christmas horror or holiday horror, I think is what the title is, holiday horror episode, we talk about some of our favorite and some of our least favorite Christmas horror movies. And like spoiler alert, they all are because a kid saw his mom banging Santa Claus and Most of them are. that makes them turn into killers immediately. So, and actually guys, let us know if you saw your parents having sex and one of them was dressed like Santa Claus and it fucked you up over the edge, please let us know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, today we'll talk a little bit more about um, like traditional Christmas yeah, yeah. movies, like the, the ones that we grew up with, the ones that we kind of watch we kind of try to watch every year, and uh, I'm excited to get into this. Why, you wanna, why don't you take the first one? Fire away here. I can't, man. We have to... Like, I, I wanted to dive right in, but we there was a huge bomb dropped over the weekend, man. Did, did, did you hear about this? Disney literally dropped a bomb on the streaming world. They made over 52 major announcements. Did you hear any of this? Yes. I, yeah. They, I, I heard like that they were making shows and movies and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but they like 52 announcements and some of them are massive. Uh there's that's so many that to a certain point it's almost like you could say anything and I believe you that they were making a show out of it. Like, right, right, right. Jar Jar Binks is getting a talk show. I'd be like, I mean, I don't know, man, they're doing well. But like they made so many announcements. Marvel made a shit ton of announcements. They're doing Armor Wars, Moon Knight, Secret Invasion, Ironheart, I Am Groot, She-Hulk. Uh they re announced all the release dates of their upcoming movies like Black Widow and Spider-Man 3, Doctor Strange 2, all that stuff. Their TV shows, Falcon I'm and Winter Soldier. I'm imagining that Spider-Man 3, Doctor Strange 2 is one movie. Like <laughs> Spider-Man 3 calling Doctor Strange 2 and they just combine <laughs> the sequels. I mean, an animated what if show that looked really cool. Uh, Star Wars dropping bombs. Mandalorian season three. We only have a year to wait. Rangers of the New Republic. Ahsoka getting her own show Andor, I don't even know what that is. The Obi-Wan Kenobi show with Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader. Take it or leave it. That's big news. 
Don't call it the Obi-Wan Kenobi show because it sounds like he'll be sitting at a desk interviewing other people from the Star Wars universe, right? <laughs> I, I would love that. Like, all right, come on <laughs> down, Greedo. All right, Greedo. I know we got a we lot to talk about. We got to put this to rest. We got to put this to rest. When did you pull that trigger? Audience got to know. And he's like, well, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that was actually a fucking spot on Rodian impression. That was really fucking good, dude. <laughs> now everyone's just listening to us laugh at ourselves for 30 seconds. <laughs> Star Wars Visions. Don't know what that is. The Lando show, I, which again could be a great talk. I'd watch that. It comes on after the Obi-Wan That would be real. Yeah, that's the late night one, yeah. the late, late one. Yeah. Things get a little sexy. Star Wars Visions is actually a crossover between Vision and Star Wars. Oh, so interesting. It's like, yeah, mm. it's the Infinity... No, I don't know, but... I did see that, though, and was like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, The Acolyte, which is about somebody turning the dark side. Uh, a new droid show called The Droid Story, and I don't know why this is... Well, I guess it's because it's under the Lucasfilm, but Willow, they're making another Willow movie. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, too. New Indiana Jones. I'm so tired of them. Stop it. Don't do that, but whatever. They said fine. this is the last one, though, right? Didn't they, they said say it's the last one, but they said the last one's the last one. That one sucked. I still haven't seen it, but everybody has told me, don't even bother. Wait, how are you saying it sucked if you haven't seen it? Because everyone I've ever talked to has said it sucked, except one person who's like, it was not great, but I didn't care. It's terrible. Yeah, so... But they're making a new one, and Steven Spielberg isn't involved, except he probably has a name in the credit just because, you know, story by. Just tons of stuff. Rogue Squadron movie. I mean, awesome. Pixar movies, tons of them. A Buzz Lightyear movie? Okay. I mean, wow. And, And that's not even covering, like, the Disney crap, like Pinocchio, Peter Pan, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, I say, another Ice Edge. Are they really remaking this? Pinocchio is getting the live action treatment. You guys can't see it, but I'm making the universal motion for jerk off. Um, (laughs) Zootopia, Baymax, uh, Moana show. I mean, it's just like so many fucking announcements, man. It's I'm it's hard not to be excited. But at the same time, you're like, it's so much. It's a little overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. But they're doing a good job. And actually, some of these things I knew were going to be announced because i know somebody who works for disney and sometimes she gives me heads up about stuff like no joke i had her over here to watch the holiday special yeah the original holiday special and we laughed our way through it and then afterwards i was like do you know like she's not a nerd i was like do you know about this star wars and this star wars and she's like no i was like you need to try to get these on streaming and she did and they're coming so or so she says so if those movies come you can know like legit i gave her the idea to pursue some of them and some of them are like pretty fucking back in the day you know out of canon things that i guarantee you'll be like oh shit i haven't even thought of that since i was five damn yeah mandalorian's been crushing it but like now i have that expectation for nine ten new star wars shows like yeah yeah damn dude and I still want that Jar Jar Binks talk show. He's like, <laughs> up next, Misa wants to talk to Hayden Christensen. We'll call it Bink, I think it's called Binks Thinks. Binks Thinks, yeah. Mm-hmm. People almost hate you as much as me, Misa Think. <laughs> it's Jake Lloyd. No, it's not Hayden Christensen. It's Jake Lloyd. <laughs> Both, man. They can sit on the couch next to each other and everybody hates that'd be a good. That'd be a good show. But, I'd like that. I mean, to, to get... To make a good transition work, because I'm, I'm priding myself in developing good transitions... Dropping this many exclusive announcements and all this awesome stuff, you could say that uh, they were giving us a little Hanukkah gift, maybe a Christmas gift, a a nice holiday drop to get us excited. Mm -hmm. So that's a good transition to talk about what gets you excited at Christmas, Rumi? What movies do you watch every year? Like we we mentioned last episode, what are your go-to, now it's feeling Christmassy, what gets you going? I'm going to say, I'll start at the I'll start at the top. I think the best one for me, and it's good for so many reasons, is Christmas Story. Hands down. We could, we, uh, this might be the rest of the episode. I hands down love this movie, not only as a Christmas movie, but legitimately it's in maybe my mm-hmm. top 10. I would say, I don't know if it's my top 10 of movies ever, but it's definitely top three maybe comedies. Mm. And I'm not a big comedy movie guy. If I'm going to sit down for a movie, I'd probably rather it not be a comedy 
Right. But that movie to me, it is so funny. I really, I mean, I like kids and I like like the childish innocence that a kid is and a kid, you know, has and, 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 and the way the kid thinks. And I love to see movies that do that well. And this does that in spades. So it has a nostalgic element. Even if you take the Christmas out of it, it has a nostalgic element because it makes you think about how you were growing up. Then when you add Christmas, it's like, I would have to think that most of our most vivid memories from childhood, many of them revolve around Christmas or involve Christmas, right? It's just timeless. It's so funny. It's so heartfelt and good, but without being like overly so bang you in the head with it, I feel like. Yeah. And it like it just like it almost gets me choked up how beautiful and fun it is. You know what I mean? Especially at the end. I just it's great. I love that movie. And it's funny because Christmas is a huge part of that, but also the movie's about growing up. It's about childhood, it's about living yep. with your family and stuff in a in a very comical way. I just I fucking love it. And I was late to that party. I didn't see that movie till high school or even college maybe right but i am same i knew what it was it was one of those like i knew it's the shoot your eye out i know it's a kid the, the bunny costume yeah yep i know it's a you know there's a, a narration but it's just it's the perfect it's got all the ingredients for the perfect christmas movie the perfect nostalgic movie it's it nails it and here's some things it's this is based on gene shepherd's book in god we trust all others pay cash which we don't talk a lot about books that don't have pictures in them on this We're podcast. not learned, folks. <laughs> we, we, we talk about comic books a lot, but as far as like books, books, books go, this is an incredible book because it's, it's kind of an anthology. It's him telling antidotes and it's semi-fictional, semi semi-biographical, but just so well-written. Gene Shepard is a master of just humorous, but not like mm. jokes. What would you call that? A satirist maybe, but- you know, yeah, I guess that that's not a bad term for it. He, he's a humorist. Like, he's just funny. And his stories just make you feel good. And they're so well written and so well told. He has another one that's that has some elements that are in this movie. Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden Memories and Other Disasters. And he's actually the narrator of the movie. The guy who wrote the book narrated the movie. And he helped write it with a couple other people. The director, Bob Clark, helped write it as well. And I love it so much because it reminds me of... Maybe not even my nostalgia, but almost like a nostalgia that I can't perceive of my parents and grandparents because it takes place in the 40s in a small town, Indiana. And my family, my mom and dad grew up in South Bend, Indiana, which is where Notre Dame is. It's small town, Indiana. And it has this vibe. When I would visit grandma's house growing up, especially at Christmas time, these neighborhoods looked like this movie and the houses looked like grandma's house. And it sort of gives me that nostalgia factor for visiting grandma at Christmas time. But it also makes me think like, this is kind of, even though this is a decade earlier, sort of what my parents' lives were like growing up as children and what my grandparents' lives were like in normal times. Uh, even the whole war was going on when this movie comes out. And it's kind of funny because, you know, in the 40s, it takes place in the 40s, but World War II was winding down but still happening and they don't really you don't get a sense of that which i i wonder how you know that it's if that was because of the movie but in my mind if there's a war going on especially world war ii you'd be reminded of that constantly yeah i guess i guess this does take place i don't remember the exact year if they even mentioned the exact year in 1940 the, um, yeah in the movie they say it's 1940 uh i don't know if they say it specifically but it says right here it takes place of uh christmas 1940 Interesting. So, yeah. So, but I mean, for taking place winter of 1940 and the war ends in 1945, I guess I just expect a little more rah rah sis boom bah. But my wife brought this up. She said that maybe from a child's perspective, yeah, it's you just don't think about that. You don't see that the same way as adults might. It might not be the focus of your world. You're too focused on a <laughs> BB gun. I mean, it deals with the kid with the bully, the little brother. <laughs> little brother sits under the cabinet it's just so fucking fun and it's like it really does it really does humorously show you the, the like the life of a child and it's so the way he thinks his priorities you know the way his mom looks out for him when he gets into a fight and she knows that the dad's gonna kick his ass yeah when he curses and gets in trouble for it oh, it really is just like it's one of those fudge. like <laughs> the more you think about it it's just 
every scene is a, like a memorable scene. You know what I mean? It's hard to pick a favorite or to, to even bullet point like the the fun or important. Scene. Here's something that's interesting, and and something that we've actually complained about is when movies are too vignetted. And sure. Because we were saying how you you don't necessarily connect with National Lampoon's Vacation, which draws heavily from this concept of like vignettes of family life. And we said that on the the episode that we did with the guys from Cicada. Yeah, we were saying how how like National Lampoon's Vacation sometimes feels a little too vignetted and not as connected. But I think it does a pretty good job. This is a movie that, again, has a lot of pieces that have nothing to do with the main plot of Ralphie wants a rifle for Christmas, a BB gun rifle for Christmas, and nobody wants to get it for him. You know, there's side ones of he's helping his dad change a tire and he curses. He says the F-bomb and his dad's like, get in the car. And they don't even talk all the way home. They just mm-hmm. wash his mouth out with soap. The whole, you know, the whole thing about washing your mouth out with soap, making you go blind, the bully sticking your tongue to a frozen pole. There's all these vignettes, but for whatever reason, oh, the little orphan Annie decoder ring. Uh, there's so many vignettes that for whatever reason work in the day of this kid's life and the movie never tries to pose itself as anything but a slice of life at christmas time in this year and i don't know all these vignettes seem to work together in a great way that i think a lot of movies attempt and can't pull off yeah i think that's true it's like one and it's like i guess the term for that is lightning in a bottle right like you had amazing script, amazing actor, a wonderful director. Um, it was shot really nice. And again, uh, to, to I don't want to rehash too much of what we said in Cicada, but we said that the pit, the background, and the setting of Christmas time can enhance that nostalgic and heartfelt feeling. If done right, it could definitely be done wrong and fall flat, or it could be done too cheesy and it falls flat, or like. You almost have like a gag reflex. You're like, ugh, get, you know, get off of me. I get it. It's Christmas. We all love each other. But this movie is like the perfect storm of like just nostalgic beauty. And it's like, I don't, you couldn't recreate that. You know what I mean? I don't know how you can make that movie again or a movie that has all those elements. It would be really hard to get all like, you know, top marks in all of those categories. I love that sons of bitches, bumpuses, the dogs. <laughs> There's so many times. That just, I love this movie so much. You know, it does such a great job, like you said, of capturing how it feels to be a kid and to want something for Christmas so bad. Mm. And to have that like thread run through your entire Christmas season. You're at school, you're thinking about it. You know, you're writing letters to Santa, you're thinking about it. It just permeates your life. I know we've done this in past episodes, but just because it's fun, what was that one thing for you? What was that thing that permeated your life? that you were obsessed over that you wanted for Christmas. I mean, there's, I mean, every year was probably a different one. I know there was like, there was a Nerf gun that had it on the commercial. It looks like a mirror, but it's actually just a foil sticker. And the, the, the barrel of the gun, you could turn it like 45 degrees. So you could shoot around the sidewinder or the sneak shot or something. Some shit. Like, I don't remember. I don't remember. I'd have to look it up, but I remember it was like purple and yellow and orange. How many times did you actually need to shoot around a corner? The more steep the angle, the the shittier the shot was. Like, the dart wouldn't fire as far. Yeah. The the gun was not a strong gun, but in my mind, it kind of looked Stormtrooper-ish. So, I thought, Mm. like, that was my... When I pretended to play Star Wars, that was my Star Wars gun. But, like, I wanted that pretty bad. And I I got a bunch of Nerf guns, I got, and I got that. I was really excited. Damn. What about you? One of them that you actually got me a sort of replacement of when i was a kid i wanted the real ghostbusters proton pack so badly and when my family got it for me i lost my shit i was crying running around the house you know i was that and i was that n64 kid over a proton pack and you actually i got it right here in my office you got me you got me one of those that that's the great one of the greatest gifts gifts ever but another one when i was a little bit older my parents got me the star wars trilogy on vhs and mm. it was at a time where that that was not easy to get. I think at the time you had to go to Disneyland or Disney World to get it. It was only sold at the gift shops in Disney. You couldn't just go to like Best Buy or whatever the Circuit City. I don't know what store it was back then. And I think one of our friends, family friends had gone to Disneyland and they picked it up for me. Pretty cool, man. Yeah, that was a big deal. And then I watched the shit out of those movies. 
the cool one cool thing too about a Christmas story with that is, and to, if you guys haven't seen the movie, you should see it. I'm about to spoil a pretty big thing, but like we all know that it's the movie where where Ralphie wants a Red Rider BB gun the whole movie, and the whole movie everyone's saying no, no, you'll shoot your eye, you'll, you'll shoot, shoot your, your eye out, yeah. Christmas morning comes towards the end of the film, and he opens up all his presents. He doesn't get one, and it's that. I mean, this is exactly how my family would do it. We had this huge. We always were big at Christmas. It was a huge fucking Christmas, and like then after all the presents are open, you know, mom and dad are doing mom and dad shit, and the kids are playing with the toys, right? And Ralphie's kind of like looking around, and he's playing with some shit, and his dad's like, "What's the matter? You know, did you did you get everything you wanted?" And Ralphie's like, "Yeah, almost." And he's like, "Almost." He's like, yeah, it was pretty good. And he's like, oh, wait, what's that over there? And, you know, lo and behold, the Red Rider BB gun wrapped up is behind a desk. Yeah. And the dad points it out to him. And the mom comes over and gives the dad a look, unbeknownst to Ralphie. And the dad says, oh, I, you know, I had one when I was eight years old. And it's just, it's such a cool thing because, like, Ralphie doesn't know that it was dad. We know it was dad. And I yeah. think... This dad has been so comical and character, you know, character throughout the whole movie is this like cursing, gruff, not really yeah, warm dad guy. Dad, come in, prison, prison, go bump his <laughs> sons of <laughs> bitches. Cursing at the furnace, you know, yeah. he comes home and Ralphie's scared shitless of him when he gets into a fight. Yeah. But like, the dad loves him <laughs> and the dad wants to make sure he has Ralph. a good yeah, yeah. Right. He's not going to kill Ralph. Yes, he is. But it's like. The dad was, you know, the dad wanted him to have a good Christmas. He wanted, he wanted him to have a Christmas like he had when he was younger and got a Red Rider BB gun. That's, I just, that, that moment chokes me up every time, especially yeah. now that I'm a father, I'm getting my kid all sorts of fucking guns. I'm going to get him a Red Rider BB gun that shoots around corners. <laughs> <laughs> well, be careful. They'll go all over the place. Yeah. That's, that's adorable, right? Yeah. I think that's oh. like probably one of the most, oh, I mean, there really, there is so many, so many touching scenes in the movie. There's that moment. I like this moment, too, because it goes right over kids' heads. Because this is a great movie for kids and adults, but the moment where they're decorating the Christmas tree, the, <laughs> I'm not colorblind, you're colorblind. I'm not colorblind either. I, I think that part's hilarious, but they make the kids go to bed. They're like, oh, we don't want Santa Claus to skip over because the kids were up. And mm-hmm. the kids run upstairs fighting to get up the stairs. Ralphie's pushing over Randy. And the parents watch, and they're like counting the steps, and they're listening. Door slams. Boom, boom. Here's them go to bed. They wait a beat. Okay, let's go get them. And they're going to go get the presents. Oh, 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 to get yeah. the presents. To get the yeah, presents. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And adults get it and kids will never get it. You know, it's, right, not, it's right, not like, right. it's not like Gremlins was like, and then I found out my dad was dead yeah, and there's, no Santa, there's no Santa Claus. The <laughs> smell of his rotting corpse alerted me to the fact that there's no Santa Claus. But like, it's funny. You know, it's a good moment. Oh, man. I, I have not gotten to watch this movie yet this year. But I have watched this movie at least twice a year, regardless of whether it's Christmas or not. I'll just pop this thing in because I love this movie so much. It does have a very cringeworthy scene when they go to a Chinese restaurant because their Christmas turkey gets eaten by the bumpus hounds. But it is, uh, other than that moment, I think it ages very well. It's perfect. We could talk about this movie all night, but... Yeah. What's a uh, what's another one that is on your every year list, or one that like you guys watched as a kid? That you is Christmas to you. So, I love Home Alone. Chris Columbus's Home Alone, Macaulay Culkin. I love this movie. I watch it every year. For Kate, though, it's funny. For Kate, it's Home Alone Two. Really? Exactly. Really. And, <laughs> really. And here's what's funny is uh, for the past week, because I have a newborn, I've been able to watch movies in like twenty minute stints at best. And for whatever <laughs> reason, Home Alone Two has been on Freeform something. It's been on TV. And I feel like I've watched this movie five nights in a row, but like only 20 minutes at a time. But basically every time it pops on, I'm like, how is this right where I left off? And like, so I've been able to watch the movie in order, but only in like little 20 minute stints throughout the week. (laughs) At least you're watching it in order. So your brain doesn't have to like jigsaw puzzle it together. (laughs) But yeah, would that be funny? Be like, so wait, the kid got these guys arrested but then they broke into his house after they escaped from prison, I assume. So, no, uh, yeah, for her, it's Home Alone 2. For me, it's Home Alone 1. Watching that as a kid, and I'm sure this happens for you too, do you have things that you know are going to start one of your parents' programs? 
did you ever have something that if you watched a movie or you said something or somebody brought up a situation, it would trigger one of your parents' like pre-recorded responses? Every time we watched Home Alone, my parents would go into this thing, that's so rude. You shouldn't talk to family members. Like every single fucking time. And it's like, yes, how many times have we watched this movie? Every year for the since it came out. We saw it We've in the We've established this, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> and every year, mom and dad would be like, this is really rude. You shouldn't talk to your parents like that. When they come home and she says she's sorry, he should say he's sorry too, but he doesn't. He's a rude mm-hmm. little boy. Like every single time, it's like, I get it. You don't approve of the behavior of the family or the children in this movie. Fuck. Can we just watch these guys <laughs> take bricks to the face? Because that shit's funny. Uh, I'm on the side of your parents because as a kid, and this might just be because my my parents didn't, my parents were strict, but not like ridiculously strict, but strict enough that like when I saw that movie, I was like, he tells them to shut up and he tells them that he hates him. I'm like, my mom would pack my fucking suitcase. Like I told my mom I hated her once when I was like five or six and she packed my suitcase. She told me I was going to live with the old lady down the street and I thought she was serious. I don't even know that there was an old lady down the street, but I was shitting a brick, man. Oh, I remember. And I remember, and I remember watching it and being like, Oh, he didn't say he's sorry either. And I remember like the mom apologizes. And like, I guess what the mom did was wrong. But it was an accident. Yeah, he, he was just, just a smiles at her. Shit. Yeah, he smiles at her. He's like, ha, 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 "Got you, bitch." Got it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like this movie has such a high level of violence in it that it's like a, literally a live action cartoon. Like he's Bugs Bunny, and there are a couple of Elmer Fudds trying to kill the rabbit, but they get their asses just handed to them. Holy shit, they get tore the fuck up. And every year it just cracks me up the the stunt fall like the the height that they get when they slip on ice and like yeah, full yeah, yeah. full inverted onto their backs when Joe Pesci gets his head lit up with a blowtorch it, mm-hmm. it just cracks me up every single time and the that spider shot is great too because it's yeah, him it's him yeah well and in the sequel Home Alone two Lost in New York they they. It's a complete rehash. And I can understand if you didn't see any of these movies and you saw part two first, where you'd be like, oh, part one isn't as special. But you wouldn't know that it's just, well, this is just a remake. It's basically the exact same movie hitting the exact same beats. He meets some adult who can't figure their shit out and helps them figure their shit out <laughs> and then rips these guys to pieces in a basically the same way. You know, he electrocutes him. Harry gets his head lit on fire again and sticks his head in a toilet that Kevin has poured gasoline into. But like, it's actually Joe Pesci with his head on fire. And I'm sure the guy doing the headstand in the toilet is a stunt guy. But when that guy tips himself fully vertical to do this handstand, give himself Mm -hmm. a swirly, his head's on fire. And that fire goes up his neck. And you're like, holy shit, that's a stunt right there. (laughs) Damn, dude. Hey, we need you to do a headstand. Okay, yeah, I can do a headstand into a toilet. Sure, I'll I'll hold my breath while on fire. Uh Uh-huh. All right, let's do it. (laughs) But both those movies crack me the fuck up. But the first one to me is like really nostalgic. I I love that movie. You a fan of that? Were you watching that as a kid? Oh, for sure. But I think I like it's one of those things that like I liked a lot as a kid, both for funny, like it's because it's a funny movie, but also for Christmas movie. But then once I was old enough to like be an adult and appreciate adult things, I think it's great. It's a great movie. It's so fun. It's certainly like Christmas, although it has nothing to do with Christmas really. Like that's one of those movies that you can kind of lift Christmas out of and it doesn't really affect the plot of the movie much. It's the lesson. It's the the lesson of the movie. It's the, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically, it's a wonderful life, but instead of Jimmy Stewart realizing that him committing suicide, his his family would miss him and it would have this chain of events. Kevin finds out that if his family was gone, he would have to defend his house from some stupid burglars. (laughs) It's, it's a good example of the one that we like the idea that we're talking about, about um, if you have a movie that's touching and family oriented and has a lesson, if you set it during Christmas and do it correctly, it could hit home harder. And I think this movie does that perfectly. Um, But yeah, I like this movie a lot growing up, but now that I'm a, now that I'm an adult, I like it even more. It's way, it's way funnier. I think as an adult, it's way more touching. I mean, as a professional ninja, I could easily have gotten in there, killed that kid, stole the rest of, you know, the parents shit and left. Like it's very easy to have 
gotten around most of his traps. And it's easy for me to see that from the movie. But what do you think that his dad does? We've we've asked this before. What the fuck does his dad dad do to live in such a bitching house with five fucking children? Oh, or he's mom. an assassin. He's, he's an, an assassin. assassin. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, mom. I mean, I it, I don't want to put it all on him but the mom is a lawyer she's a high-powered lawyer somebody there is into sewing because there are a lot of like form figure dummies and sewing machines at his house That's a true. lot of them like in multiple <laughs> rooms there are figure forms for dresses and so like maybe maybe they're fashion designers maybe both of them are fashion designers mm. maybe the mom's the breadwinner <laughs> you know it's it i know back then it wasn't you know as forward thinking but you know who, who am i to say maybe she was a fashion designer made that money and he was just a lazy bum who went fishing all the time i like to think that the mom is the same mom from beetlejuice and Shit's creek right yeah yeah i think i want i don't think it's her like she's the same woman she's the same woman she divorced that guy like the the deal who are the deets that's her previous yeah, family yeah. like she left them mm-hmm. all right the second one's so bizarre because the first one's like an accident and he's charming and like kind of a rapscallion the second one Kevin McAllister is a straight up asshole. Yes. <laughs> he is being a douchebag, ends up in New York and is like, oh my God, my family's in Florida and I'm in New York. And instead of calling them because he has his dad's like address book, his wallet, that's how he finds out where the empty house that his uncle lives at in New York. Uh, he can call his parents. He knows how to get a hold of them. But instead he's like, He nah. also has done this before. Like he theoretically knows what to do now. Yeah. But he's like, nah, I'm going to commit credit card fraud, steal my dad's credit card, and spend a shit ton of money at one of the fucking swankiest hotels in New York just to be a dick. Man, he's such I a prick in that movie. I was a good kid, but I think I would I, I would have called him after a day or so, maybe, but not right away. I mean, not after... You would have called him right away? At least getting a cheese pizza out of it. Oh, for, for fuck's sake, yeah. But. Do you remember when we went to New York, Rumi? Yeah, I was actually just thinking about that the other day. Do you remember when we saw a riot happen? I no, I don't. I remember your account of the riot though. All right. So, so we're in college, right? We're in college. I don't know if we need to set up the whole story. That's that's its own thing, but we're in New York together, you and me, to see John Carpenter speak and show Prince of Darkness and the thing. Mm-hmm. Projected, you know, at a at a big And we went to college in Boston, so we went on the fucking overnight bus to the get the right? bus, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, man, again, this could take an entire episode to tell the story, but we decided to just stay up all night at one point. We're in New York at Times Square looking for a place to eat, and we're eating in this little pizza joint, I guess. And all these people like fighting in Times Square, and these cops roll up on horses with billy clubs and just start cracking people, just pop, pop, pop. And we're like, damn. And they roll up with the paddy wagon, putting people in the back of it, and they close the door. But don't lock it, and the door suddenly kicks open. Everybody starts jumping out and running away. And I was like, Whoa! <laughs> I, I admit, I do not remember this at all. I will. Were we, we were we walking when we saw this? No, we were eating pizza in a shitty little diner and sitting at like a countertop, looking out the window. Damn, I do not remember that at all. See, I remember that more than watching the movie with John Carpenter. <laughs> i remember i asked dark carpenter a question and i remember what it was and what his answer well, was but when we get there we get there and they're sold out but they're like you can wait and maybe you'll be tickets and they're like okay there's three tickets and we're like okay and then we're sitting there and they bring it they bring us to the seats and it's like three seats and they put us with one seat in between like can we sit together and they're like no no no, no this seat's reserved we're like okay and john carpenter sat next to us during the movie where was I? I don't remember any of this. Do you remember afterwards? <laughs> we go out the back and John Carpenter's trying to get in a cab and we tried to get in the yes. cab with John Carpenter. He said, no. <laughs> like, yes, what? I do remember that. I do remember that. <laughs> you don't remember that John Carpenter sat right next to us during watching these movies and the whole time. I actually, like, I, now that you say that, it like it rings a bell, but I don't remember it. It just rings that bell. Man, you know? I had a better time in New York than I'm you old. Did. That's the thing, man. <laughs> I'm old. And you left that day. Like you, you were there for less than 24 hours and left. I stayed one more day because the next night at the same place they were doing Stan Winston and Stan Winston was showing a couple movies too, doing a Q&A. And a did he sit movies. next to you? He didn't, but I did see him in the bathroom and like at the urinal and I walked over to the urinal and I was this close and I had the line and everything ready. I was going to look at him while we were standing there and I was going to say, 
are you going to tell everybody tonight that you peed next to Matt Corrigan? Because I'm going to tell everybody tonight that I peed next to Stan Winston. But I figured that like there was a chance I might one day try to work for him. And I was like, don't, don't do that. But I had that like walking in the bathroom from the time I walked into the bathroom to the time I walked over to the urinal. I came up with that line. And I was like, uh, no, don't do that. But I, it was in there. It was loaded. Oh, that's a pretty good joke. But yeah, that has so much potential to backfire because you flub one word or one line of that and you're like <laughs> are you going to tell everybody that you peed dicks to stand with i mean matt Cor- i mean fuck <laughs> it was a really good joke and he would just be like zip and walk away he won't even wash his hands because he's like gotta get away from this kid <laughs> <laughs> oh man well getting back on topic here Okay. What are we? Uh, what are we looking at for Christmas? You want me to want me to hit you with another one? Yeah, hit me with another one, bro. Okay, I think I've mentioned this in the past, but one of my favorite and like the one movie that I associate most with Christmas and my childhood is the Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. Do you remember me telling you about this? No, and I have no clue what you're talking about. What? 1985. IMDb's summary is. At a council convened by the Great Ack, A.K. the f- uh, the forest being tells the story of Santa Claus to explain why he deserves to be made immortal. Santa Claus is a little baby that I believe is like born from a flower, and all the forest nymphs and fairies adopt him, and they raise him with the help of a like jungle cat. I forget if it's a panther or um like a puma, but some sort of jungle cat is his helper slash sidekick. And he grows up living with all of the elves and fairies and, you know, little fucking things that live in the forest. Is this some creepy ass claymation shit? Because that's what I'm seeing. Yep, it is. is. And it is kind of creepy. And there's some creepy ass gods. Like there's a god of the wind and there's a god of the fairies. Who's this Sauron ass motherfucker with giant horns on his head? He's he's like the fall god or something that's supposed to be leaves. And the the story opens with them at this giant conference table in the middle of a fucking forest. And they're like, we got to talk about whether we make Santa Claus immortal or not. And they're like, yeah, we need to because he's fucking awesome. And they tell this whole story about how he was... He was... um, you know, born and these fairies raised him and he started to go to this village when he got older and when he went to the village and like he's meeting all these weird creatures and fighting things and shit along the way. He goes to this village and he meets some poor ass kids and he starts making them toys. And the more he makes them toys, the happier they get. So the more he does it and it becomes this thing where he's doing it. The fucking giant, two giant trolls or three giant trolls. Do they have three eyes piece? Um... Well, some of them do. Oh my god! And they steal his shit. He's got, and they he. I think they turn invisible, and they can steal his shit. And they steal his shit from all the elves and everything. He's got to get him back. He vanquishes these trolls, and then he goes to. Um, he becomes like Santa Claus. He, he becomes a human version of Santa Claus, and he's making all this shit. And all these gods and forest beings and powers that have known him his whole life are trying to figure out he's amazing and does amazing things for these kids. Should we make him immortal so that he can do this forever? Cause he's getting old and lo and behold, they don't. And Christmas is ruined, but no, they I do. And then he be <laughs> I was like, I was going to say, I don't think that's how that ends. No, they do. And it's, it's, I love it, but it's whacked as shit. And you know you who wrote this so- book? Who? L Frank. I know it is based on a book. L Frank Baum. You know what oh, else he wrote? Wizard of Oz. So, by the guy who wrote Wizard of Oz to twist your shit up, fucking L. Frank Baum. It's, and it's one of those, like, I showed it to Amanda, and she was, like, angry. She's like, this is terrible. Why are we watching this? I was like, this is, like, my childhood. I know it doesn't make sense, and, like, why would this be the story? But this is the story. I mean, I certainly watched all those Rankin and Bass Rudolphs and stuff, and, mm. and I love that, but I have never seen this, and this looks Guys, wild. if you've heard of this or seen this, please let us know. Like, write us on social media or email us or whatever, because this is one of those movies that, like, I know a couple people who remember seeing it, but don't remember anything about it, and I loved it. And it's, like, it's fucked, but it's one of those that, like, I'll try to watch every year. I don't always get to it, but I'll give it a shot. 
Dude, some of these pictures are straight up fever dreams. There are some weird critters here. Yeah, there's like a weird little elf that teaches. He like he's got jingle jangle bells all over him, and when he walks, they jingle every time. Yes, and he also makes all the bird noises. He's like there's a lot of creepy looking puppets and characters in this in this. This movie. is bonkers, man. See, you got a, you got some some good ones. I I mean, like I I was said, I brought this up on the cicada episode, like Prancer. We had to watch that every year at school, which was like depressing mm-hmm. as fuck. Uh, nothing this weird though, man. Check it out. See if you can find a copy or if it, I don't know if it's streaming. I have it on, I have it on DVD that I think it's like, it's that and Nestor the Long-Eared Donkey, which is terrible. Terrible. It's on the same DVD. I know, but yeah. Check it out. I'd love to, I'd, like specifically, I'd love to hear what our listeners thought about it, but Rumi, obviously I'd love to hear what you thought about Who it. Who made this? Is this a Rankin and Bass? I don't know if it's them specifically. I don't, uh, well, let me see. I have the, the information pulled up. Yeah. Um, Rankin and yeah, Bass production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. And it's like clearly not one of their more known ones, but like the animation is beautiful. There's a couple really fun songs. And again, none of the songs in it are like, you know, standard name brand Christmas songs. Sure. But like there's songs that I specifically remember. Big surprise, big surprise. A little black cat with big green eyes. Remember that one? <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's my favorite one. Scratch your balls, make you cry. <laughs> that's not how it goes is it no okay uh, <laughs> so here's one that i watch every year and this was my wife's and here's the thing i don't get to bag on it because it makes her mad because it's her childhood like she grew up watching white christmas bing crosby's white christmas and and you grew up watching black christmas <laughs> <laughs> It it does actually it does apply to what I'm about to say. So it's a good movie. I don't want I, I want her because I know she's gonna listen and be like, You're gonna bag on White Christmas. It's a good movie. It's a well made movie. It's great. You know what? It's fine. Okay. Came out in nineteen fifty four. Basically Bing Crosby, Danny Kay, they're buddies in the army. Danny Kay saves Bing Crosby and because he saves his life, he's like, Hey, we should do this duo comedy show team together and we'll sing songs and dance and they become really famous for it and and that's actually what the prequel of solo was going to be about because when (laughs) chewbacca was saved by han solo they became a comedy dance routine number (laughs) like what the fuck is that (laughs) um irving berlin wrote it all the music you know he's a famous christmas song writer he's written a bunch of famous christmas songs so they end up in Vermont with these two sisters, the Haynes sisters, and they find that their old general from the army owns the the ski lodge that they're performing at. And there's no snow, and the general's sad because he's retired, and so they decide to put on a, a bitchin' Christmas show to bring everybody out and help make him money and keep the ski lodge open. It's a good story, but here's a part that's really bizarre. There's a scene in it. You know, there's a bunch of great songs, but one of them is called Minstrel Show. I like where this is going. And it's like, you know, those those wonderful times of old, doesn't everybody love a minstrel show? Nobody's in blackface, but it is very bizarre. And I was like, this is so out of place and super weird. So I did a little research. Irving Berlin was a big champion of black musicians, but he kind of liked minstrel shows he thought that shit was funny and cool or whatever (laughs) and a previous movie that he did a couple years earlier with bing crosby was called holiday inn have you heard of this movie uh the name sounds familiar but i'm not familiar with it so this is 1942 holiday inn white christmas is 1954 holiday inn has an extended amount of blackface in it like like more than you think the normal movie should have more than any fucking movie should have 1940 <laughs> this is in 1942 which i think a lot of people who see a black and white movie with blackface in it they go well you know it was of the time no 1942 people knew that shit wasn't cool in this movie <laughs> yeah. so apparently well they, they told irving berlin they're like dude not cool can't do it anymore gotta cut it out and he was like oh really but you know come on it's really fun people like it and they're like no nobody likes it it's not cool he's like fine and so they made him take out the blackface scene from white christmas that he was trying to do but instead he wrote a song about how great minstrel shows used to be (laughs) i would love to see like the unedited version which would be white christmas blackface Which is kind of similar to like Spider-Man 3, Doctor Strange 2. 
<laughs> white face, black Christmas. White Christmas, black face. Uh, ooh, yeah, yeah. It is. I'd rather see a minstrel ooh, show yeah, yeah. than any, than <laughs> any other show I know. Oh, those comical folks with their riddles and jokes. Here's the riddle that I love the best. Where does a chicken go? <laughs> you know the rest. It's a funny song, but you're like, yeesh. And that was him being like, fuck you. See, still fun. It's still fun. I can still do it. And it's like, wow. Holy shit. Wow. But again, the movie in its own right of its Christmas show and, and you know, as a nostalgia thing, I get it. And it's, it's an entertaining movie. And man, there's some great songs in it. So you're on board. You like that one? Do you and Kate watch it every year now? You watch it every year. Yeah, you got to. You got to. Yeah, you it's, watch it every year. That is that is her. Racists. That is. <laughs> thanks. That is her getting <laughs> into Christmas movie. And I get it. You know, everybody has a movie that, that gets you into the mood, but it's definitely not mine. But now that we've been together long enough, like if I don't hear sisters, sister, then, it, you know, it's not Christmas yet. Do you guys act like really offended every time like that? That. No, I try to bring up this story every time, though, and she's like, shut up. I don't care. I don't care. This is my childhood. Shut up. (laughs) And you know that like her and her family are doing a podcast right now where they're like, what Christmas movie do you watch when your husband is like, oh, blackface? I wish they said I'm sorry and then also didn't do blackface. Don't be fresh to your parents or make fun of an entire race of people based on skin color. I get it. I'm just trying to watch my Christmas movies. Yep, you got me there. Yep, that's my that's my disc. Every single time I see that movie, I'm like, click, put in the floppy disc. Here's me bagging on your favorite movie. Oh, oh the Launchpad Podcast does not condone racism or blackface. Yeah, we like all colors. Every give us a color, we love it. Oh my god. But yeah, White Christmas happens a lot. And uh, of course, it ends with the titular song, White Christmas. Bing Crosby, man, killing it. Oh, there's another song in there called Snow. It's like, snow, 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 snow. Won't be long before we'll all be there with snow, snow. I want to wash my hands, my face, and hair with snow. Which is a really weird line, and I'm not quite sure what the hell's going on there. Well, you know how a comb works, right? Yes, I understand how combs okay, work. Okay, so but how what, do you use what part snow is... for washing your hair? Well, I'll 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 see you there. It's not the it's not the most conventional use of it. I agree with that. I, it, um, Are you googling it? <laughs> how to, how to wash your hair? I think your hair would be freezing cold. You get like, have you ever been like? outside sledding for so long that parts of your hair get frozen together yeah like hard they're hard you have yeah, hard like hair crispy little you know jack nicholson end of shining hair mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's what i think would happen is that what she's saying she wants mm-hmm. i want to wash my hair with it mm. did you ever try it wash my hair with snow yeah i mean once i tried to break into this kid's house and this fucking blowtorch <laughs> lit my head on fire and i had to jump outside and put my entire head in snow and i did that is that the same? No. Do a headstand into a toilet and then call me. <laughs> wow, my head's on fire. I mean... Yeah. Not not really that impressive, Rumi. Get get with it. Oh, my God. Can oh. we talk about... I'm sorry. Can we go back to fucking Home Alone and talk about how awesome the Angels with Filthy Souls movie is? I'd watch that movie. Who is it? It's me, Snakes. I got the stuff. Leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. All right, Johnny, but what about my money? What money? AC said you had some dough for me. That a fact. How much do I owe you? AC said 10%. Too bad AC ain't in charge no more. What do you mean? He's upstairs, taking a bath. He'll call you when he gets out. Hey, I tell you what I'm going to give you, Snakes. I'm going to give you to the count of 10 to get your ugly, yellow, no good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. All right, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm going. One, two, ten. <laughs> Keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> Little Nero, sir. I have your pizza. <laughs> if you uh, you got to pay for your... <laughs> you got to pay... It'll be eleven eighty, sir. 
<laughs> you got to pay for your pizza, sir. <laughs> Keep the change, you filthy animal. Oh, my God. And then the second one, you've been smooching with my brother. You've been smooching with everybody. <laughs> so fucking dumb. But I, I love it. The first time, I love that so much. The <laughs> movie nails it. Every single time. Cracks me the fuck up. Last year when I watched it and that pizza man runs away, I remember thinking like, that guy really thought, like that pizza man who runs away because he thinks he's getting shot at, he thought that somebody was shooting at him with a machine gun in this like very upscale suburban neighborhood. Like that someone was just like rattling off at him with a Tommy gun. Like, <laughs> does that happen often? Yeah. <laughs> In that area? <laughs> you got any more, Rumi? I got a couple. I'll give you... All right. I got one good one. It's a, it's a, a shorter one to talk about. Okay. Um, it is a Jim Henson, 1986, The Christmas Toy. You've seen this? Yeah. What? Jim Henson, The Christmas Toy. It was made for TV. It's 1986. It was a made-for-TV movie. I remember waiting for this movie to come out during, like, it was around Christmas time. Um, it is the voice of Gonzo and the puppeteer for Gonzo is doing this tiger, and he was the big popular item that this girl got the previous year, and he's excited for Christmas because he thinks he's going to go back in the box and she's going to unwrap him again, and he's going to be the Christmas toy, and he's going to make her her whole Christmas. But the other toys are like, no, bro, she's going to get a new toy. You're going to get forgotten about. And he's like worried about it. But he's like, fuck that. I'm going to sneak down under the tree and get back in that box myself. And they live in this world where toys get alive and do shit when you're not looking. And then they go back to their spots before you come back. Right. But if you get caught, if you're a toy moving and you get caught, you're frozen forever. So essentially, you, you toy die if you get caught out of place. That's so even if they don't catch you moving, horrifying. if they catch you, if they catch you in a new place, and it happens to a toy, a clown dies. He later is kind. Of, I think he later is okay, but it's kind of ambiguous. But they almost have like a little mini funeral for him when he is is found out of place and is dead. Um, so uh, there's he, you know he goes downstairs. There's a new toy. He kind of has an argument with the new toy, but then he realizes that like is the new toy the dressed girl, as Chucky. No, the Chucky is is was the toy before the tiger. The new oh. toy is this weird, super creepy looking like ice princess, space ice princess looking thing. Oh my um, god! Yeah, horrifying. Okay, but it is it, it's a really fun show, movie. I love the puppeteering. I love the idea of it. I mean, what what's fucking cooler to kids than like their toys coming alive and singing and moving around, especially in like the Jim Henson universe, you know? Mm. And I remember, I remember being out with my family, looking at Christmas lights, knowing that tonight was the night that the Christmas toy was on. And I was like, we have to get home because I have no fucking concept of time. And my mom was trying to explain to me like, shut the fuck up, idiot. We're, we have hours before it starts. And I was terrified that we were going to miss this fucking thing. I had seen the commercials. I remember seeing the commercials for it. And I was so excited for it. This is the exact sort of thing that would scar me as a kid. I have a big issue because of Velveteen Rabbit, that kind of crap, where it's like, oh my God, mm. if I don't love these toys, they feel bad. And so like, I would keep everything. It like immediately created a hoarder mentality for me. This would fuck me up. This would fuck me the fuck up. No, see, I was like a well-adjusted kid that was like, oh no, I know toys aren't alive, but this is pretend. I mean, you knew they weren't alive, but like, how can you tell? Because they move around when you're not looking, dude. Because I choked every toy <laughs> the time, like at the beginning that I got it, just so I knew that if it was alive at any given point, it wasn't alive after it came to my house. And I would shake the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then look for the batteries and make sure they had no batteries in when I was shaking the shit out of them. Hold them over a fire. Well, my that's interesting because my last one is also a Jim Henson and it is the Muppet Family Christmas. Yes. Yes. I'm glad that you talked about this one because I have a lot to say about it, even though it's not one of my movies. But go ahead. Go this was one into it. we had on like a VHS tape and every year we'd watch it. And it's basically the Avengers Endgame of Muppets. So you got Kermit the Frog <laughs> and um, you got Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy and all the classic Muppets at Fozzie. Fozzie Bear's grandma's house, or maybe his mom's house. Anyway, it's one of the Fozzie Bear's houses. It's his mom's. And, or maybe his grand. You're right. Maybe his grandma's. I don't know. And 
while they're there, they're like, oh, hey. Oh, it's sorry. It's Fozzie's Moms. I have the DVD in my hand. Oh, cool. I have the DVD the downstairs. incredibly rare, pretty much won me my wife DVD. Tell me that story in a minute. So they're there, they're hanging out, and they invite the rest of the Muppet family. So Big Bird and all the Sesame Street characters show up, like all of them. Mm-hmm. And this house is packed full of fucking puppets. You have the two-headed monster, Big Bird, Bert and Ernie, hanging out with Gonzo and Kermit the Frog and Robin the Frog. And like the Swedish chef wants to kill Big Bird because he's like, bork, bork, that's a big bird. Bork, 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 bork. And like- uh, Robin is down in the basement. He crawls through a hole and they find the fucking fraggle rock motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. So it's like, whoa, full circle. And then like, uh, one of the, one of the fucking Muppets ca- captures Robin, ties him to a chair and then like opens this little grate and there's like bright lights inside and it sucks out all this energy. <laughs> Dark crystal style. Wait, no, that doesn't happen at all. That scene is not in the movie, but that would be pretty cool if they tied Dark Crystal into it in any way, shape or it's form. It's in the, the the deleted scenes on the DVD. Oh, oh, good, 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 good. But it's, it's really heartwarming. There's a lot of like Muppets singing and I love the Muppets and I love Sesame Street when I was a kid and watched this and it was great, man. It was so good. Such a great fucking... And like, there's a snowman that sings a song. It's fun. So this movie, I didn't even know that it existed. 1987. So 1987, yeah. I didn't know about it when Amanda and I started dating. You know, some a couple, of, I don't know, a year or two into dating, she brought it up, and she was like, "I love this movie," and she's explaining it, and I'm like, "I never knew it existed." But the idea of all three, like the the Muppet. The Muppet universe, the Sesame Street universe, and then the Fraggle Rock universe all being in the same spot at one time. I thought that was so fucking cool. And she was like, and I, I still do this to this day. When Amanda tells me about something that she loves or like super cool to her, I'll try to find it. So I looked for it and like the VHS was kind of rare, but it was expensive as shit for a VHS. And then I found a DVD like in like a, you know, a clearance warehouse DVD kind of online store. I yeah. found a DVD for like 20 bucks or whatever. Like like a reasonable reasonable price for a DVD. And she was so excited. And it's like super rare. Yeah. No joke. I just looked it up on eBay and it says unedited. There's an unedited version. <gasps> oh, it's from Turkey. If you buy it from Turkey, it's $6. But if you buy it in America, it's $70 on DVD. An unedited. I got to look into that shit. <laughs> but yeah, it was one of those things that like for Christmas or for her birthday, Amanda's birthday is December 1st. So for Christmas or for her birthday, I was able to get her, get her this DVD and she like was beside herself. She didn't even know it existed on DVD. It's fun, man. Is this one that you grew up with? Oh yeah, man. I had it. It was on VHS tape, like a, a recorded off the TV tape and we would watch it every year. Oh man, I loved it, man. That was that was a big one for me. Yeah, there's deleted scenes on this one. Fuck, now I gotta buy this. I told you that 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 dark crystal one. (laughs) Kermit the Frog gets a hand job from a (laughs) gelf. Now that one I've seen on Pornhub. (laughs) You know what world they didn't bring into the Muppet Family Christmas because they didn't like them because they were specious. Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've only seen that once or twice. Is that one that you grew up with? Never heard of it. This was one of the ones that I had a friend who was like, no, it exists. And I was like, bullshit. And he's like, no, no, it's real. Fuck you, John. And, yeah, we couldn't find <laughs> it. I, I didn't believe him. And then we looked it up and I was like, oh, huh. But like, who knows? Maybe Emmett Otter is in the fucking Muppet Family Christmas. And I just wouldn't recognize uh, him because it's I just watched Otter. it uh, not last night, the night before. I did not see him. You did not see him marching no. along in the snow? Pretty small. He says, yeah, no, but I, again, I wasn't looking for him, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll try it. Look in there a little bit better. Hmm. Pay a little closer attention, and you'll see. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember loving Emmett Otter that much. I don't know if people love Emmett Otter. I think they just remember <laughs> Emmett Otter. Who, <laughs> I like jug bands. Anybody with a jug band is <laughs> kind of. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, uh. ooh, ooh. 
Okay, okay, fine. I'm going to get a wash tub with a broom handle and a big string on it. I'm going to have a boing, 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 boing. And you go, who, who. And then no, we'll just. You got to go, you go, boing, 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 boing. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, man, we got a jug band going. This is, we're doing pretty good. Okay, we need, I'm going to get Kate right now. I know she's dealing with the baby, but I'm going to be like, no, no, come down here. You got to play, you got to play the washboard, but you got to pretend to play the washboard. So make a noise with your mouth. That's like, and the look now, is on it, her face. Am I awesome or am I not awesome that I kind of want us both to try and get our significant others in the room right now to do that? <laughs> um, I think the look on her face would not be thrilled. I think she would not be he, thrilled. Well, I think then what we should do is I should ask Kate and you should ask Amanda because it'll be harder for each of them to say no to each other. What is she going to play with her, her? What is her? The 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 mouth harp. Oh, boing, doing, doing, boing, boing, boing. <laughs> I can I can actually play those really well. I know. Just so our listeners know, we're doing like when we're playing these instruments with our mouths with our mouth sounds. We're using our hands. Like Rumi just played the imaginary, the air mouth harp with his finger. I thought you were going to say, guys, we're not actually playing instruments. We're playing <laughs> mouths. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> so fucking stupid. Oh, man. I am way more overtired than I thought I was. What, what's your excuse? The mouth harp, I can play it actually really well. I can like, I can like talk through it and sing through it. But here's the funniest thing. If you mess up, it snags your lip and you start bleeding everywhere. <laughs> you can play the shit out of that thing. It'll tear your mouth right up. I used to carry one around my pocket in high school. I had lots of girlfriends. Well, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. There's, there's, you know when you're like in college and you're sitting around like the quad and some dildo with a mouth harp just is getting all the girls. Dwang, 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 dwang. They're like, oh, Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a tangent we've gotten off here. Oh, so good. God damn it, man. Well, guys, tell us what your favorite fucking <laughs> holiday movie is. What is your go-to? Are you, are you watching White Christmas, dancing along with Bing Crosby and Danny fucking Kay? Are you watching... National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Maybe maybe you pop him up. It's Christmas Carol right before you switch over to the Emmett Otter bullshit. Bang, bang, dong, dang, gong, bang, gong, dong. Do you guys like a Christmas story as much as we do? Let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Launchpad Pod on our website, launchpadpod.com. Bored to death, Leval Dead, he hit me up and was like, dude. Lethal Weapon is absolutely a Christmas movie. It's about finding family, not losing yourself in the holidays. And I said, you know what? I think he's right. I think he's right. Lethal Weapon Mm. is a Christmas movie, but I think of the movies we talked about last episode, if you took Christmas out of Lethal Lethal Weapon, you wouldn't destroy the movie. The movie doesn't fall apart without Christmas. It's still a fun action movie. Interesting. Something to talk yeah, about. I think that's true. I think it's. I, th- I agree with that. I think. I mean, I think the themes are there. That, like we were saying with Die Hard, or even even It's a Wonderful Life, Christmas enhances the movie because of the themes that it brings to the table. But I think Lethal Weapon is one of those movies that Christmas parts of Christmas are not as necessary as maybe a, another movie. But I don't know, man. That scene in the in the Christmas tree lot pretty good I, I i might be able to be talked out of it we'll see we'll see no joke it. since we did the episode last week with the guys from cicada i've talked to a couple people about what like what comprises a christmas movie what are the what is the definition of that and it's not it's kind of hard to peg down like because everybody i guess everyone brings different ideas to that term right like what yeah. makes a christmas movie what is important what is not important it's pr- pretty interesting i guess yeah guys let us know what makes a Christmas movie for you? We'll keep it going, man. Next week, I think we need to do our holiday special episode where we talk about franchises that may or may not have a holiday special and kind of imagine what our pitches would be for franchise holiday specials. That's I'm excited about that. I think it's going to be pretty funny. We'll see how it goes. But till then, man, let's blast this thing off. Whoosh.
We're the Rocketeers, and we are out. Happy holidays. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.